Well, good morning, guys. Um, my name is, is Troy Nicholson. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Safe Haven, and we're super glad that you're here with us. We're journeying through the book of Ephesians. If this is your first time with us, that's all we do is go straight through books of the Bible and, and let the Bible speak to us. So we've made it into Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. But before I, before I begin today's text, do you guys remember, um, y'all remember Where's Waldo? The Where's Waldo pictures? Y'all remember that? I loved the, I'm a, hey, let's be honest with you, I still love the Where's Waldo pictures. Um, fascinating pictures, there's, there's one of them there. That, this is actually in one of the three toughest um, deemed Where's Waldos of all times. <laughs> and, and they intrigued me for a couple of reasons, I think. Number one, they intrigued me because the, the goal of Where's Waldo is a simple, simple task. The goal is to do what? Find Waldo. It's not complex. It's not a big lofty goal. It's a very simple, your goal is to find Waldo. So I like that. But another reason I like it is because the more that you dive into the simplicity of finding Waldo, as a matter of fact, I think Jared Shepard is, is, is he's, have you found him yet? Okay, not yet. All right. <laughs> Many of y'all are looking, for, if y'all can find him, I'll give you one million bonus points for the day to be spent at that fictitious store. That, okay. Um, so there you go. But the more that you dive into the simplicity, I think another reason I like it is because the more you dive in, the more complex it gets, doesn't it? So you're searching for Waldo, and then all of a sudden, you see Pharaoh standing next to an astronaut. You see a guy over here who has a soccer ball for a head. I mean, who has a soccer ball for a head? You see a guy with a painting who has a painting of himself, right? You, you see all of these, these things, and, and so as you look into the simplicity, it just gets bigger. Now, here's the thing. If all you do is focus on is just the simplicity of Where's Waldo, trying to find Waldo, then you will never understand the joy of Where's Waldo paintings. You'll get frustrated, you'll get ticked off, you'll get anxious, because you'll miss everything else just for honing in on where is Waldo, where is he at. And so in smallness, sometimes we can lose joy. However, if you see the big picture... And, and, the, and the, the, how vast this picture really is, then it'll actually birth joy. And you may or may not find Waldo, but in looking around, you'll find so many aspects of what the Creator intended for this to be. He didn't create it just so that you would find Waldo, did He? He created it so that you would experience all of what's going on in all of the pictures and paintings and all that kind of stuff. And so there's a difference between seeing something in its smallness and there's a difference in seeing something in its vastness. And so my question maybe leading us in today is, is it possible that sometimes, and maybe we need to get that off the screen so everybody quit looking for Waldo. <laughs> Right, so here's the deal. We throw up points and all this kind of stuff, uh, and people take pictures of it. I've never seen more cameras out taking pictures of the Where's Waldo thing. You're, you're going to get it later, right? <clears throat> My point is this. Is it, is it possible that sometimes we can lose joy and grounding because our view of God is just too small? Is that even possible? That sometimes our view is so limited, like finding Waldo... We just hone in on God in a super small way. Is it possible that we can have a view sometimes? And I would say, yeah. Most notably, when we try to limit His ability to love or limit His ability to power flex. When we limit His ability to love and we go, God, you can't love that person. There's no way that you can love that person because they're too far gone. We see God a very small, don't we? 
or when we limit His love for us. God, there's no way that you can love me in this moment because I am too far gone. I am too far... You cannot love me. When we limit His love, we'll see God that's too small. And when we limit His, his power flex, right? What I mean by that is when God becomes option C, we see Him as a very small God. Y'all know what this is like. You're, you're facing a situation in life, and option A to fix it is numero uno. Anybody else fall into that trap? There's an issue that I'm dealing with, and I, and I need to fix that. So I become option A, or others become option A. So in doing that, okay, maybe I can't fix it, so I'll turn to this person or that person or this skill set or whatever. And so we've got option B. Still in doing so, we have a very limited view of God. And when the proverbial, you know what, hits the roof, all of a sudden we go to option C and we go, okay, I can't fix it, they can't fix it, God can fix it. And in doing so, we, we limit it. And so that's kind of this, this small view. Why do we do this? I think the reason we do this is because a God that we can define and control is a God that we can box in the way that we want Him to be. Right? So when we can, when we can do this, then we can help God decide when and where He distributes His grace. When and where He distributes His love. And therefore, he no longer is big, but we become big, which is exactly why John prayed, Lord, you increase and let me what? Let me decrease. Let me decrease. I want to see you as as big, God. I don't want to see you as a small God. I want to see how big you can be. And well, today's text is Paul's contemplation of the bigness of God. And as he contemplates how big God is, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it arises in this crescendo of this, this explosion where this brother ends up amen in his own words. Y'all ever been to that point explaining something to your kids? And you, like your own point explaining something and you feel it. And then you're like, amen. You're like, you amen yourself. Well, Paul's going to do this today. He's going to erupt as he thinks through just kind of this bigness He's going to be stunned at God's grace, that God would even make him an apostle, that God would love him. And he's going to be stunned that God would let him be involved in sharing the redemptive work of Christ all around the world. That's where we're going to find ourselves in the text. Right? So here we go. Y'all ready? Ephesians has been so good, hasn't it? It's been so good. Um, Today's halfway point. It's going to come to a close, but let's let's dive into the text one more time. Ephesians chapter 3, we've made it all the way to verse 14. Um, And so it says, for this reason. What reason? For this reason. Because I'm thinking about the vastness of God, that that you would bring alienated, alienated, scattered sinners into your loving family. For this reason, this bigness, for this reason, I do one thing. I, I bow my knees before the Father. Thinking on God's bigness leads me to do one thing, and that one thing is to, to hit the floor. Um, let the bodies hit the floor, okay? This is, this is where he's, he's at, okay? I, I, whoa, God, you're so big. For that reason, i got to bow. It, it drives me to bow my knees before the Father. So we get this spirit-led introduction, if you will, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And so because God is... Re- Gathered together, rejected family, because God has grounded us in the midst of chaos, because God's let Paul be involved in that, and he lets us be a part of that. All because of that, he says, I'm, I'm worshipfully driven to, to bow down. And, 
in concentrated focus on a real big God with a really big prayer. That's where he's going to be. Hey, and it's, it's just true, right? If, if I want to know what's on your heart or you want to know what's on my heart, there's one way you can tell that every time. Listen to my prayers, right? If you listen to my prayers, you can tell what's on my heart. And the intensity with which I pray, you can tell if it's really on my heart or not. And you can do the same for one another, can't you? Like when your spouse and you're praying together, you know what's on each other's hearts or maybe in your community group. Y'all have experienced that, right? You've been around a group of people and and people are praying and all of a sudden you didn't know but you're just kind of sucked into the content and intensity with which that person's praying and you go, I know exactly what's on their heart. Have y'all experienced that? Well, Paul does the same here. With the content and intensity, we're going to see all of a sudden his heart's filleted open and the one thing he's focused on and the one thing that's going to make him say amen to his own words is just thinking about how big God is today. So that's, that's what we're going to do. Maybe by his grace after the introduction as he leads into this spirit-led substance, B, maybe we'll do the same. Maybe today will just be an eruption of thinking on God's bigness according to the word of God. Verse 16, he goes on to say this, For this reason, God's bigness, I bow my knees, from whom every family and on earth is named, your family is named from him, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, and so if you've looked at your handouts or saw the decorations, and you're like, where do they come up with grounded? Like, we didn't come up with that. (laughs) This is where it comes from. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. So as he thinks on God's bigness, he says this should elicit four things. And those four things are that you'll be strengthened, that you'll be rooted and grounded, that you may comprehend and know, and that you may be filled. Thinking on God's bigness, if you will, does that. It strengthens you. It fills you. It, 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 it enlightens you. It does all of these things. And so the question is, if you find yourself not filled in the Lord, is it simply because you're not thinking on God's bigness? Is he real small to you? That's the question. Right, And so as we get in this, let's just kind of flesh through those four things that he just said. And I think as we do so, he'll get bigger and bigger. Number one, he says this. As you contemplate God's bigness, it's going to lead you to be remembered that in your inner being, you can be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit and Christ dwelling in your heart. All that to say... When you think on God's bigness and your relationship to Him, you'll realize that our big God has made you far more than meets the eye. He's made you far more than just kind of your outer skin shell. Now, in the morning, we wake up, don't we? Hopefully, right? And and we head on in to uh, get the day going. There is, let's see, I won't point out certain brothers, but there's about four of us brothers in here who go to the mirror, and we don't have to brush our hair. But the rest of you do. Ha, ha, ha. Y'all are cursed with hair, suckers. Right? So you go in and you start getting ready. And you, you start the day and, and your outer skin shell draws you in. And, and from get 
to go. You're focused on this outer skin shield. And Paul, all of a sudden, he erupts and goes, no, 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 no. I'm not strengthened by my outer skin shield. I'm strengthened because in Christ I've been filled with the Holy Spirit and the living Christ dwells in me. You think if you woke up in the morning thinking about that, that might change your day just a little bit? Yeah. So this is what he says. He says, remember this. So when you're doubtful in life, all of a sudden doubt begins to creep in. Remember that you're indwelled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Speak to your doubt that the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within you. Right? When in life fear begins to, to flood you, Remind your fear that you're indwelled with Christ who has conquered fear once and for all time for you. Speak that to yourself. We experience this to varied degrees, don't we? Right? There's, there's times in life to where we, we know the bigness of God and then we feel the smallness of God and it's this kind of this roller coaster. And today Paul's screaming, it's a reality check, maybe. If God's sovereign, and He is, then you're here for a purpose. Which means that at some point, our tanks are going to hit the low mark and that little light's going to go off. And we need a reminder that says, ding, refill yourself on how big God is and how big He is in you and for you. That's what he says here. I'm praying this, that your inner being may be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit and Christ dwelling in your heart, number two, that you may be rooted, so we've got this farming reference, a tree, would you, right? And then he also says rooted and grounded, um, which is not a farming reference, so we completely jack that up on the graphic. Um, it's an architectural reference, right? That you're grounded, that he's building something up, that you may be rooted and grounded in love. So our big God has set your feet more firmly than you realize, and he's done this through his, his love. And love kind of takes over this theme, and love ultimately is the entire theme of Ephesians. But He's loved us with a love that we did not earn, that we do not deserve, and that is squarely of grace. This is the love with which, which we're loved. And you ever thought about this? That love, well, maybe I just gave you the answer. What will be the theme of all eternity? We can think of all kinds of things, right? Cloud hopping. Maybe in, maybe in heaven I'll finally be able to uh, ride the skateboard like Tony Hawk, right? Uh, we think about Papa and Mama and I mean all these things in heaven. We think about skiing on seas of crystal, although there's no sea in heaven according to Revelation. Let's go with another one, streets of gold, whatever. We think about mansions. We think about all these other things. None of those things are the theme of heaven. They're awesome, but the theme of heaven is just it's love. There's no more jealousy. There's no more pride. There's no more anger. There's no none of that, that sin that you continue to wrestle with that keeps whipping your tail. There's none of that. There's no more dividing wall. There's no more doubt. There's no more depression. There's no more evil. There's just love. And so for all eternity, we will experience love in its fullest form. Like you would never say that you hate somebody right now. You would just say that you just really dislike somebody right now. In heaven, you won't really dislike that person anymore. Right? Like all of this is gone. And so why on earth would we not experience the fullness of God's love now if that's exactly what we're going to experience for all eternity? 
He says, see how big God is and how great His love is and how that drives us to love still more. We should be the aroma of love. This is produced in us. And so love is not just the, I guess we could say it this way, love is just not the the soil that we're rooted in, according to Paul. It's the very thing that pushes nutrients up through us so that we can flower out love to other individuals. Who can you love this week? Who can you love? Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's that person that you need to ask forgiveness of. Maybe that's the person that you need to give forgiveness to. Maybe it's the neighbor that you and he or she have completely opposite political agendas and ideologies. And you're like, I could never love this person. Well, according to the text, you absolutely should love this person. And so this is what we're called to, and this is how big God's love is. And so he goes on to say, not only thinking about God's bidness, bidness, his bidness, thinking about God's bidness, thinking about God's bigness drives your inner being to be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit and to be rooted and grounded in love, but three, that you may have the strength to comprehend with the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. And so our big God has this... Love for us that was radically and majestically displayed. How many of y'all have heard this verse before? Raise your hand. It's a good one, right? Now, just for fun, how many of y'all have it embroidered on a towel in your kitchen (laughs) or a painting or something like this? It's kind of one of those verses, isn't it? It's one of those verses everybody likes to quote. And I think a lot of times we'll miss exactly what Paul is saying in this verse just because we think it's a cool verse. It is a wicked cool, that maybe we should flip that. It's a majestically cool picture that he throws out here. He's explaining again the bigness of God and the radical display of his love. And here's what he says. He says, remember because God is so big, you have been loved with a love that is broad enough to embrace people from every tribe, every tongue, every language. It's that broad. That's how big his love is. But it's also a love that is long enough to last for all of eternity, never to be questioned ever again. And then he goes on to say this, it's also a love that is high enough to reach up to the very throne room of God. And then he says, it's a love that is deep enough to reach down to the vilest of sinners. That is the dimensions of Christ's love. And you're like, Troy, hold up a second. That sounds real preachery and, and all. We threw a cross on there. Paul meant that on purpose. Like, that's not just preacher talk. He said what he said. So instead of saying, this is how big God is, he displayed his love on a cross. Because a lot of times you hear that. And if you're like me, you go, yeah, yeah, I've heard that a thousand times. And he says, listen, I want you to understand God's bigness in a different way. It is on the cross, but here's what the cross is. It is broad, it is long, it is high, and it is deep, and it's bigger than anything you've ever seen displayed. That's how awesome the cross is. And a life well lived is one that will just live this in illustrating it to other people. That's a life well lived. A life well lived is not so that you get your name on the who's who list. A life well lived is not that you get the lake house that you always dreamed and imagined. That's three bedrooms, two baths, has an upper view and a lower view, hopefully a mastercraft outside, maybe a diving board off of the pier 
and then maybe it's in a quiet little slough that no waves come through. It's just, that just came off the top of my head. don't know where it came from. It's not any of that. A life well lived is a life that when somebody's hurting, we walk into their hurt and say, I know it's hurting and I know you don't understand, but I do know how awesome Christ's love is. A life well lived is one that when somebody's confused... You walk in and you go, I, I don't, look, I don't have the answers. I do not have all the answers. But I do know that Christ's love is incredible, even in the midst of your confusion. A life well lived is, even when somebody's celebrating, right? Somebody's celebrating, they just had the baby, or they just hit the home run, or they just won the lottery, and, or whatever it is. Uh, this little, a little bitty church opens up in the back of... Larry Lake Road and all of a sudden we don't have to be in the theater, in the school and all over these crazy places anymore. Something happens. Even in the midst of celebration, a life is well lived is one that walks in and says, hey, don't rejoice in those things. They're good, but rejoice in the great love of Christ. That's a life well lived. And he says finally, that you may be something filled with all of the fullness of God. A big picture of God will keep filling us fuller and fuller and fuller and fuller and fuller and fuller and fuller. It's a balloon. I mean, it's a balloon, but it's a picture of a balloon in the text, right? What he's saying is, when you think on the vastness of God, it'll cause you to erupt, and here's why it'll cause you to erupt, because you'll remember that at one point you were dead in your trespasses and sin, Ephesians 2. But all of a sudden... You didn't decide to figure out that your sin had offended the holiness of God. All of a sudden, something awoke that within you and breathed life into you. And you became full. But it didn't stop there, did it? I mean, do you all remember the point of your salvation? The point at which you thought you could go fight hell with a water pistol? you all remember that? Like you were just enamored. But then all of a sudden, you remember that. But all of a sudden, grace became fuller and fuller. And you're like, whoa, whoa, it's not just one-time repentance. It's actually that I can keep coming back to God. And He loves me despite me because of the work of Christ. And grace upon grace started filling you. And you were like, now that is way better than when I first believed. Right? And then all of a sudden, you're driving down the road. And that song comes on. And that song, you're not playing the song, but that song starts playing you. You know what I'm talking about? And it's that holy note. And you're like, hallelujah, you got your hands raised. And then we got some cops in here that are like, put your hands on the wheel, right? But you're just caught up in that moment. It fills you up more. And then you're all of a sudden in your prayer time. Maybe you didn't even mean to have a prayer time. You're just there laying in bed and life has been chaotic. And all of a sudden, the Lord floods your room and you weren't expecting it at all. You experienced that before? And then... It's fuller. And then you, you, you go and all of a sudden there's a text of Scripture that becomes your life text. And for those of you who are against tattoos, you would never get it tattooed on your body. But maybe there's somebody here who goes for tattoos. And you're like, yeah, I want that tattooed on my body. So you get that favorite verse tattooed on your body. And you're like, yes, this verse speaks to me. And it's like, and it fills you more. And it's fuller and fuller and fuller. This succession of moments. It's a smile in a kid's eyes. It's your skin down the hill. Now, some of y'all think the balloon's going to pop. It's not. I would never do that to you. Right? And it gets fuller and fuller. And that's exactly what he's saying. 
He's saying, when you think on God's bigness, it will keep on filling you. Be filled with Him with the fullness. Not because of who you are, but because of who He is and how great and gracious and loving He displayed Himself through the work of the cross. That's what He's saying. What would you do if you could put all of those moments I was talking about in one concentrated moment? Those moments where you've experienced the Lord of the fullness, maybe it was the birth of a child, or I don't, there's a, there's a bajillion different things, if bajillion's even a word. If you, if you could concentrate all those into one singular moment, what do you think would happen to your body? You think it'd pop? Maybe. Probably. Like, do you think you could contain? Elisa just hit that note. You know what note I'm talking about. That note. She hit that note. I don't even know what the note is. It's like A flat, diminished, B minor, something. All right? Nick, you'll have to correct me on that. If she hits that note and it's like, ah! What if you could contain all those moments that you've ever experienced into one concentrated moment? Do you think you'd just kind of pop? That's exactly what heaven is a concentrated succession of moments to where you feel God's bigness of love on an unparalleled scale and scope. That's how big our God is. That dwells where? In you, the hope of glory. How long has it been since you've contemplated God's goodness? Pray today is just the beginning of a week where you'll do nothing more or nothing less than just thinking about how big God really is. So the band's going to come back up. There's a spirit-led conclusion. Paul's spirit-led conclusion is our big God can't even be contained with the word big. That's kind of his conclusion. Cole, I'm going to entrust you with the balloon. Don't pop it. Or just let it roll. (laughs) He says this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly all that we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him that big God be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And here it is, right in the middle of a book. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Did you catch what he said? Here's what he said. Here's how big that God is. Not only is he able to do things, but he's able to do what you ask. And not only is he able to do what you ask, but he's able to do what you think. And not only is he able to do what you ask and what you think, but he's able to do all that you ask and think. Not only is he able to do all that you ask and think, but he's able to do more than all that you ask and think. Not only is he able to do more than you ask and think, but he's able to do far more than we ask and think. And not only is he able to do far more than we ask and think, but he's able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think. Do you see how big that phrase is? That's how big our God is. And that alone will give you grounding, stabilizing power through the Holy Spirit by the Christ who dwells in you for anything that happens in life. 
And Paul loses his mind and basically just says, to him be the glory forever and ever throughout Christ Jesus through all generations. Amen. He don't even know what else to say. Will we be that enamored with the bigness of God this week? Let's close. God has limitless love that passes our knowledge. He has limitless power that passes our experience. And may we, safe haven, never have a view of God that is too small. Let's pray again. What a text, Lord. What a text. It's just so cool, God. I'm I'm so thankful for a group of people who, who don't love topics and hopping around to different application points, but just want to dive into the text of Scripture. I love it. And you never fail us. Every week, by your sovereignty, you give us exactly what we need through the text. And so today, fill your church with how big you are. Namely, through the person and work of Jesus, absolutely. But may that drive us to a Trinitarian triune worship to where we worship the Holy Spirit that raised you from the dead and the Father who orchestrates it all. Three, yet one. You are big.